Hey, you're listening to season two of Katie's Journey. I'm your host, Kaylee Dwyer. And in this podcast, I interview professionals across a variety of industries to learn about their journey to success and how we can learn from them. Tune in if you're interested in gaining these insights and learning something new. Welcome to episode 25 of Katie's Journey. Today, we'll be learning more about Dominic Manfredo. Dominic is the CEO at the community at Sunset Wood, located in New Hartford, New York. In addition to that, Dominic is a managing member at the offices at 287 Genesee Street in Utica. I'm intrigued by Dominic's story and how he got to where he is today. So I'm excited for you to learn more about him. Let's jump into it. So jumping right into it, episode 25 of Katie's Journey. Dominic, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to uh, be a guest on this podcast. You know, taking a look at everything that you've accomplished through LinkedIn, which nowadays is is pretty much the, the only way to meet new professionals local and far away. And it's just truly incredible from what I've been able to see. So I am super excited to kind of dive into it and learn a little bit more about how you got to where you are today. What I want to really kick off with is from the beginning. You know, I saw you went to Buffalo State, did some sports writing, co-authored a book, worked for Jack Kunkel, a well-known name in the area. So walk me through what your early post-college life was and tell me how you found the path to the community at Sunset Wood. Yeah. And first of all, thank you for uh, inviting me to be on here. It's truly an honor. And I, I love being able to talk to young professionals just like you and being able to uh, collaborate on things. But yeah, I mean, early post-college, uh, I mean, I think it was kind of like any other millennial. I had no idea what I wanted to do at all. I went to college. I wanted to be, uh, you know, sports communications uh, I started applying to a million jobs in college and uh, right outside of college and got nowhere. Didn't even get an interview anywhere. So I was like, okay, well, now, now I got to figure it out and uh, I got to make money. So uh, the day of graduation, I uh, went right after walking across the stage, had a nice dinner. I took off and went to Connecticut and uh, started doing used car sales with a friend of mine. Uh, to make money. And I said, okay, I'll do whatever I got to do because no one was calling me back. So here's where I am. And I I actually did a traveling car sales for- Wow. uh, Yeah. It was like one of those super sales where everyone gets the uh, brochure in the mail and says you win, come in, see what you win. And um, everyone wins. So it's like (laughs) you were just bringing people in the door. And um, I, I did a lot of traveling at that time and went to Connecticut, went to Wisconsin, lived in Charlotte for a bit, lived in Tampa for a bit. And uh, no, it was definitely That's crazy. Fun. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Never... So, yeah, you broke out of this, the central New York area for a little bit and got a taste of, you know, a few other states. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. And, you know, it was it was an experience I would would definitely never take back because, you um, I was able to learn so much about what I wanted in life and what I wanted to be in that moment. You you made great money doing traveling sales and I was all over and I was living in these big, cool cities. And at the end of the day, I said to myself, I don't want to be doing this. I want to go back home to the Utica area. 
Um, I want to try and be successful there. I want to go home. So um, it, it was an awesome experience because a lot of young professionals that don't get out say to themselves, oh, I want the next best thing. I want to go to a bigger city, more fun, different state. And I did that and I realized quickly, you know, home is where the heart is. And there's a lot of great people there, a lot of support. And uh, it's great networking in our area. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And uh, I came back with uh, no job plan in sight. So that was a difficult part. <laughs> that is Awesome. And I actually, so the first episode into season two, I interviewed Anthony Mercurio and he is a small business owner for Prime Movement and Performance in Washington Mills. And he did the same thing. He went down to the city, lived there for a while. And then he was like, you know what? Home is where the heart is. Came back up here with no plans, no job, no nothing. And built his way back up to continue supporting the community. And I think there's so many people that have a similar mindset to compared to Anthony, to you. And it's just incredible because if we can build a community of like-minded folks like that within the Utica area and the central New York area, imagine what it could be like. It's just crazy. Absolutely. So based off of everything you've done and, and your journey up until this point, you know, you kind of have that entrepreneurial spirit. Would you consider yourself an entrepreneur? I Yeah, definitely I would. And originally when I was down in Florida, um, I wanted to be an entrepreneur and uh, I had a business plan ready. Uh, we were going to start our own car dealership with a, an investor and it ended up falling through. And that's when I came home and um, in the jobs that I had and I chose to have, uh, especially with Jack Kunkel, uh, you had to be an entrepreneur because it was a small startup and um, you had to create new ideas. You had to create new programs and you had to think like an entrepreneur to, to be successful. And we did a lot of great things. Um, then flash forward to where I am now, I got to be have that entrepreneurial mindset because even though you're running a small nonprofit, you could still make a profit and have an entrepreneurial mind. And then uh, lately, I've actually been diving into some uh, real estate, both commercial and residential. And I think that entrepreneurial mindset is exactly what uh, brought me to all of these different kind of things that I've been hopping into. Uh, and in, in this area, especially, I think you could be very successful starting your own small business. There's a lot of support for it. There's a lot of organizations you could be a part of. And it's small enough where people can know you very well, but it's big enough where you can create an awesome uh, program, business or organization. Yeah, it's like the, the big fish, small pond mentality. But our, our pond really isn't that small when you think about it. Yeah, it's um, like a lake. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is big fish, medium-sized lake. <laughs> That's right. Not the ocean. Medium Not the ocean. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I, I looked into the offices at, at 287 Genesee Street and quite honestly, Dominic, great idea. So what was the in inspiration to really get started on that? Yeah. So a couple of my uh, business partners, uh, we weren't even business partners before this. It's friends from the gym. And uh you know, we said to ourselves, we really wanted to dive into some larger real estate. Uh, this opportunity came across our computers. We kind of sent it out to each other saying, oh, yeah, that wouldn't it be nice? And then uh, one of my friends uh, said, you know what, let's go take a look at it. And I said, all right. Uh, so we went down, took a look at the building and we talked to the previous owner. He's a young guy, he's really successful, uh, looking to get rid of it. Um, and I said to him, you know, because it that building in particular, it's in downtown Utica, downtown revitalization, all that. Um, on Genesee Street, I said to him, you know, we're we're a couple of young guys just trying to get into it. You know, I'm sure another big organization is going to try and gobble this building up. But if you want to give us a shot, we're going to take good care of it. And it's going to kind of uh, become a 
part of our legacy. And I, I feel like he really resonated with that. And uh, we got lucky and got the building. So, you know, we're psyched. Yeah, that is incredible. And especially because, you know, if you look at how many buildings, empty buildings are in downtown Utica and the massive potential that sits in those buildings, it's incredible. And if if people locally start taking advantage of those rather than large companies or corporations coming in and kind of, I don't want to say monopolizing it, but just taking it away from the community, I think um, you're doing a great thing by, you know, making that a part of your brand and your legacy and doing it with friends is even better. So tell me who this space is for. What what do you envision this looking like in the long term? So it really, you know, what we want to be able to serve is uh, small businesses um, looking to grow. And we actually have a lot of nonprofits that are coming in there um, and working in there. It's really for anyone who wants to have a, a great location in downtown Utica. And uh, a lot of the people there are using it as flex space. So with the, the pandemic, what I'm looking to what I'm finding out is the days of having large spaces and employees coming in every day, it's kind of over. So a lot of people are looking to downsize. We just got a new, great new tenant in there, Site Seeker. They were downsizing their space. They're looking for more flex space. How can all of our employees have a spot to go to and call home base, but they don't need to be there all the time. We could do cool workshops in our space. We could have the employees come in when they need to come in. They could meet with clients there, but they don't need to be there every day anymore. So they're downsizing their uh, their locations and they're looking for that area specifically. How can I walk to, to Nostro? How can I walk to uh, uh, Joseph Petrello, pantry, the pantry and all the cool restaurants down downtown? So it's for anyone that's really just looking for that flexible space and a lot of parking, which is huge. Um, but we're willing to help out anyone. You know, we got about 2000 square feet left that we're looking to rent. But uh, besides that, we're get we're pretty full. That is awesome. So jumping into the real estate business is a, an entire different beast. And it's something that, you know, I've tried to look into a little bit, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's just, like I said, a beast. So how did you really get started in understanding what the next steps were and really building your idea out? Yeah. So, um, great question. Um, my dad was uh, had a multifamily um, for, for years, and I kind of just, you know, I didn't really know much about it, but uh, I started looking into it back in college days. And uh, what I said to myself is, okay, the first house that I buy is going to be what they call in the business house hacking. I'm going to live in one side. I'm going to rent out the other. Um, and the theory behind that is you got a low barrier to entry. You can do an FHA 3% down, and the other person on the other side is paying the paying your rent. So um, that's exactly what I looked for when I looked for my first house at 25 years old. Um, and I got a duplex in uh, the Clinton area. Um, ironically, the other person that needed housing was my mom at the time. So oh, she perfect. actually moved in the other side. And <laughs> out of the goodness of her heart, she paid me rent, you know, but that's um, awesome for years. And then uh, when she moved out, I moved another tenant in. And uh, then when I moved to my new house, uh, I rented mine. And then I said to myself, okay, I like this real estate thing. But ironically, you know, I'm, I'm also CEO of a senior living community. And it's when you boil it down to its, its nuts and bolts, it really is real estate. Uh, you know, we're doing leases, we're doing maintenance. Uh, it's definitely more than that and more complicated. But at its bones, uh, it's real estate. Um, you got to know the real estate game and you got to understand it. So uh, when it came to these offices, um, we, uh, we, we said, okay, like, I know how to run a commercial building, so 
let's do it. And, uh, you know, now I'm looking into Airbnbs. Uh, we're under contract for an Air, Airbnb with another one of my friends. So we're kind of just, you know, trying to dive out in that real estate game and see what comes. Not not really honing into one thing, just, just looking for uh, things that can get a good return. Yeah. And honestly, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket anyway. And having multiple avenues of revenue streams is truly the ultimate goal for a lot of people. And the fact that you are putting that into execution and watching it all come to fruition is incredible. Um, so you grew up here from from what I can tell. You've been in this area. You are you're true to Utica. Tell me about you know some of your favorite parts about the Utica area and, and growing up here. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I went to Whitesboro High School, um, lived in Deerfield uh, for forever. My whole life grew up there, uh, went away to Buff State and uh, did my travel, came back here. And it's been remarkable to see how the city is growing in such a short time. Um, what I love about Utica is, like we said earlier, it, you you can know a lot of people, you can run into the same people, you could have great connections um, for a long period of time. Also, you're only an hour away from almost anything in New York State. You can go out to Destiny. You can go up in the Adirondacks. You can go down to Cooperstown. You could be in Albany or you could fly out out of an airport. Um, Location-wise, it's perfect. And I really, really like the the, the, the Utica feel with, with the great food and the great people. Um, you know, I, I really feel like we're doing a great job in the downtown area. Obviously, New Hartford is is blowing up. Um, but I, I like in the direction I like the direction that we're going um, in the other cities that I've been in. I feel like we are a cleaner and we have much more potential here due to our small size. So I'm excited for what's to come. Yeah, there's definitely room for growth um, within the Utica area. And I'm 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 with you there. Excited to see what comes of it, what we're able to build, and how the community really comes together to do so. So you mentioned food, and we both know food is a massive thing in central New York as far as, you know, what's what, what you gotta have, what you can't have. What what's your favorite food? Where's the where's the best place to get it from? Where's your spot? <laughs> um, so my favorite food is definitely like a good steak. I'm, I'm a big steak and potatoes type guy. You know, I obviously love all the Italian food and everything, but uh, a great steak, you just can't beat it. And you know, my, my wife and I, we, we go to a lot of different places. We try a lot of different, we don't, we don't try and go to the same one, but you know, uh, Aquavino is awesome. I love Modus. I love ocean blue. I love Nostro. Um, we love, um, Oh, uh, Nola's out in Clinton. Uh, we'll go anywhere. And, you know, our, our guilty pleasure actually is the less fancy. It's the diners. Before COVID, we used to go to diners every single weekend and try a different one in the whole area. I feel like we tried them all. And they're all awesome. So there's so much you could do here and so much you can eat. It, it's it's a, it's a great place. Yeah. Personally, my favorite diner is Raspberries on Commercial Drive just because yeah. it is amazing. Um, so with food obviously being a major important factor in the Utica area. We saw a lot of things change with the pandemic as it relates to just restaurants being open and just general local small business owners trying to stay afloat during this time. So I also have an understanding that, um, and I did listen to uh, the the Carepreneur podcast you were on as well. You know, being in the role that you're in as CEO of a nonprofit, what 
impacts did the pandemic really have and how did you work to navigate those through this time? Yeah, it was, you know, um, the, the hardest part, I think, was trying to keep our tenants engaged uh, with the, the fact that we had to close down so many things and navigate so many uh, different guidelines. In our business, we didn't have clear-cut guidelines of independent living. Here's what you got to do. I had to take the dining guidelines from restaurants and implement that in our dining room. I had to take gym guidelines, implement that in our fitness center. I had to take apartment guidelines, implement it there. So it was really hard for us to come up with a cohesive, you know, um, plan on how we wanted to move forward with that. But I think our, my staff is fantastic. And, um, we we have a lot of support from our, uh, all from each other. And we came up with a great way to keep people engaged, um, through technology, through smart devices. Uh, we did have our, our fitness classes and our wellness coordinator at the time was putting on multiple heats of fitness classes to keep it as small as possible. Um, so we just kept it fun and interesting the whole time. And, and I, I, you know, I, I really mean it when there wasn't many complaints throughout the whole time. People just said, you guys are doing awesome. You're doing the best you can. We love it here and we love everything you're doing. Other places aren't doing as much and we're just happy to be here and be safe. Um, And that's all besides the fact of just trying to keep everyone safe and healthy. That was the thing that just ran in the background always. (laughs) Yeah. So it it was difficult. um, And, you know, I, my personal philosophy is I didn't want to lock people in their room and say, well, it's for your safety. You know, for, for our mission, it's to keep everyone healthy. Yeah. But it was also to have them live a quality of life and that's not a quality of life. So we, uh, we tried to figure it out in small groups to get people engaged and get them out. Uh, the risk was a little bit higher. I get that, but uh, we were very lucky throughout the pandemic. Uh, we, we, we only had one case in our whole place. So it was pretty remarkable. And yeah. we're lucky at the end of the day. Yeah. And I love what you said as far as like, you can't just lock people in their rooms, especially when you're working um, in senior living. Like the whole reason that these individuals are really partnering with you and, um, you know, choosing choosing your facility is to continue their life and continue that quality of life in a meaningful way. And even though the pandemic posed a lot of challenges to that, I think proving that you've known how to kind of battle and go over those hurdles effectively speaks volumes to the care and attention on the actual people living in these facilities and, and getting your care, you know? Yeah. And uh, you you had a great word there was that they choose to live there. And that's what I always say, staff. I always say to tenants and family members, thank you for choosing to be here. Everyone's choosing there. They're not forced to be there. So um, trying to make their time uh, engaging. And we're also think that we're also working with people in their last years of their lives. So exactly. locking them in the room isn't the right way to do it. You know, that's not no. meeting the mission. That's meeting the bottom line and trying to keep people safe and not move out. So, um, you know, our approach was definitely different. Um, I talked to a lot of different senior living providers that definitely didn't do the same. Um, and I said this to everyone, you know, well, I'm going to take this little bit of a risk and we're going to keep everyone engaged and happy and you know, that's going to be, it's going to be their choice to come out. And uh, the people loved it. So uh, 
we're very grateful that we have an awesome group of people that live with us that get our mission, get what we want to do. And they, they followed the rules that we put in place uh, to the T and it, it, it got us in a great position at the end of the day. Yeah. And it speaks a lot to leadership as well. And I know like I I heard in the Carepreneur po- podcast that you went from, from secretary to CEO. So kind of unpack that for me on, on how you made such massive leaps in your career. And then here you are now making these fantastic leadership decisions for the, the people that look up to you. Yeah. So, you know, if we flash back to uh, when I was selling cars and I moved back home and then I didn't have a job and I, I didn't know what I wanted to do again, I just started <laughs> applying everywhere. And um, I ended up getting a, a job with a financial co- financial services company and employee benefits as the secretary. And uh, like I said uh, on that podcast, you know, it was a kind of a mindset shift because I went from making great money and traveling, having fun to back in, you know, hometown, not making great money at all. And, yeah. uh, you know, just being in this desk position, and I said, you know what, but I'm going to be the best secretary that these people have ever had. So I put my mind to it. I created a routine and I had a mindset that I was going to do more than what the position required. I was always going to ask for more work. I was always going to ask if anyone needed anything more. And, uh, you know, when when I ended up leaving there and going to Jack Kunkel, they said I was the best secretary. So after Jack Kunkel, I um, I was looking for something uh, a, a little bit different and uh, something uh, established. And the this the job came across of director of marketing and operations at Sunset Wood. So uh, I looked to apply for it and I said, yeah, this is, you know, a lot of what I'm doing with Jack. So I, I call my references and I say, hey, do you mind being a reference? And they say, no, absolutely. You were, you were awesome. Uh, where are you looking to apply? And I said, ah, the community at Sunset Wood. They go, Dom, we're on the board. We're the ones hiring for this position. I can't believe no that. No way. You. Yeah. So, you know, I went from secretary, went to Jack Kunkel and, and had tremendous growth worth with all these big corporations, made so many connections, kept the connections with my previous job and actually built programs for them. Um, and then, you know, this new job comes and it's a dream job. And my experience of being a great secretary is one a way that I had a foot in the door to get the job where I have uh, that I had at Sunset Wood that eventually led me to being CEO here. I mean, it, it was pretty crazy how everything aligned. Yeah. So how, from a, a timeline perspective, you know, how long did it take to become CEO? And did you ever think that this would happen? So um, when I first took the job, uh, the the current CEO at the time um, let the board know that, you know, she was getting to retirement age and, you know, she was going to be leaving within, you know, the next three to four years. So uh, they said, okay, well, the person that we hire for this new position, director of marketing and operations, you know, we're going to give them a test uh, for the first year. Uh, we're going to see what they can do and you're going to see what they could do and train them a little bit. And if you feel as though they could be your successor, uh, successor, then uh, we'll put them in that track to be your successor and learn from you. So I came in, did all the marketing, rebranded the the community. Uh, a lot of the terminology we were using, got new marketing materials out, uh, changed up how we were doing things, new commercials. And uh, at the end of that year, the board uh, sat together and said, you know what, 
Uh, and the the current the CEO at the time, uh, Reverend Carol Jubinville, said, "You know, this is the guy that." I want to take over for me and I want to train him. So uh, I got put in that track right after the first year and trained for three more years and, and got in uh, as CEO. So uh, four years total, three years in the track to, to train. And uh, here I am now. It's pretty awesome. Wow. And just from asking questions, asking for more, working hard and wanting to be the best ultimately led you to have a spotlight on you as a potential candidate to become CEO. That's just such a unique track to getting to where you are today. Did you ever think that you were going to be in this industry? When you were back at Buffalo State, did you ever think this is where I'm going to be in X amount of years? If you told me, give me the top 50 things I think you'd, you'd want to do, I don't even think I would have said senior living in the top 50. <laughs> I don't even know if top 100. I don't even really understand it at that time. I never had anyone in the family going to senior living, um, you know, no older adults. I was never exposed to it. So, um, you know, at 25 years old, when I got the job uh, as a director of marketing and when I became CEO at 29, I would have never in my wildest dreams have ever said that to anyone. Uh, I didn't even know, you know, I was just trying to get through college and get through, <laughs> yeah. you know, the basis of things. So I'm extremely grateful. Um, you know, it, it's a testament to the people that I've been involved with and uh, that me just being a sponge and listening to everything that they had to say and implementing it in my own way. Um, I, I think that's the best way that I made steps forward. I said to myself, I don't know everything. I'm very good at specific things, but I don't know everything. Teach me. And I put myself out there to all these different people and said, teach me. Give me more. What can I do? I, I researched a lot in my time off, uh, you know, um, and, and always wanted to get a little bit better, know a little bit more. And uh, it's been a pretty remarkable journey so far. <laughs> that is that is so empowering of just and I love what you said, being a sponge it truly is the case. Just soaking up absolutely as much as you can, taking what resonates and then leaving the rest and using that information to kind of build your own stepping stones to the future, which which clearly was successful, which is awesome. And you mentioned that a lot of this is facilitated by and helped with, you know, the support of some other people in your life in your life. So, you know, who helped you along the way? Who would you contribute to helping the success build up over time? You know, it's 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 hard to, you know, pinpoint where it's been, but you know, everyone that I worked with, I think, and that goes to being not only the the employers, but also the clients that I served. Um, I made so many connections in, in my first role as secretary. All of these people that uh, I still talk to this to this day, um, uh, that I still work with to this day. Uh, when I was working for Jack Kunkel, I met so many different people. I, I almost can't believe how many people I, I, I was able to connect with in that role and and um, and being able to help change their lives for the better. And, uh, and especially right when I went into Sunset Wood, working underneath Carol Jubinville, learning how to treat people. And, and it definitely taught me about senior living. How do you treat people? How do you do the right thing at the end of the day? And recognizing that the, these people are just like everyone else. You don't got to treat them like, older adults, quote unquote, uh, they're just like you, you talk to them just like you would your, your friend. And, um, you know, how can you make their life a little bit better, 
uh, and recognize that this, this every day could be the last day. So how do you make it special? So, you know, it's yeah. a collective group of people, my family, my friends, you know, my wife, it's just, it's, um, it's a town of people, you know, it's been, it's been fun. It, it definitely takes a village. That's for sure. And, um, you know, learning under the previous CEO and training with her for all of that time, do you think kind of aligning with her mindset and gaining a better understanding about senior living contributed to the decisions that you've made in the pandemic world on how you would pivot with Sunset Wood? Absolutely. Uh, no doubt. Um, when Learning underneath her, you know, I, I knew a little bit about real estate. I knew a lot about marketing and I, I knew about operations. But the piece that I learned the most from her was the people skills of how to work with these older adults. Um, you know, it could have been easy to, to make different choices and, and not do the right thing and look at the bottom line and look at the financials. Um, but I said, and, and to the board that I uh, work with, um, we're going to be different. Uh, we're going to give out free meals to people because I know they're not able to get out and get groceries. Uh, we are going to um, go and get their groceries for them for free. We are going to start these programs and, uh, you know, we're going to find the loopholes in some of the guidelines to make things uh, happen here. Um, I, it wouldn't have been the same. And I definitely wouldn't be in this position without learning from her. Uh, no doubt. I absolutely love that. And a theme that I have for season two of this of this podcast is curious hustle. And the the basis of that is just navigating life with pure curiosity and that sponge mentality and then hustling through and executing on new ideas, new strategies, new learnings, new teachings, all of that. What does curious hustle mean to you? And because honestly, I feel like you align so closely with the, the the picture perfect idea of just absolutely busting through life with curiosity and nonstop hustle. What does that mean to you? I've been trying to find a definite, like a, a word for what that is, and you just nailed it. Curious hustle, I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, I, I love it. It's I incredible. Mean, I th I think you know we have to realize that we live in an age where almost every answer in the world is at our fi literal fingertips. It's in our devices, it's in our computer, it's in our phone. So saying to ourselves now, how do I, how do I ask the right question to get the answer that I need is the right way to look at things. So having Curious Hustle to me is being able to go out there and find the answer that you need to almost any question and then research it vigorously get to the details and understand it completely. So you go from the beginning to the end of not knowing something. And it, this could be anything in life. It's the real estate. It's, you know, the senior living. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I try and find the answers that I'm not even really looking for. Yeah. And uh, that's how I learn. It, it's doing tons and tons of research. I sit at home on, you know, on the couch and instead of watching TV, I research just things yeah. that I love and things I want to learn about. And all the answers are out there. You just got to find them. There's so many podcasts like this and, and, and inspirational people and information. It's out there. You just got to go and find it. And that's it. And, and, and uh, make the time for it. It's always easy to, you could always watch another show or, you know, find it something to kill time. Um, but there's only so much time in a day and, and making yourself a little bit better is the key to, so, to a lot of success. 
Well, and that's exactly it. You know, the research that you do, the time that you spend learning more and more, it's, it's not just about careers. You learn so much about yourself and you're able to tweak things and maybe your personality, maybe your style, how you do things. And throughout the process of just gaining more information and gaining more um, life experience through Curious Hustle, you ultimately come out a different person on the other side. Do you feel like that happened to you? Absolutely. Um, if anyone knew me in in the college days, they didn't even know if I was going to make it to you know being. Uh, uh, I don't even know. I don't even want to. I don't even know what I would have been. <laughs> no you know, room for speculation here. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not even going to get a job. You know, so changing my mindset to say that nothing in life is going to come easy to me. I have to go out and meet what I want. Um, and, and doing that curious hustle, um, was the key to all of my success. I, I, like I said, that, that is the definition of where you can be, um, what, what you can put effort into to find the success that you want. You have to go out and get it. So I, I think that it's a, it's a vital piece to my success and a lot of people's success out there. Yeah, absolutely love that. This has been an amazing podcast, getting to learn more about you, your journey, how you got to where you are today. Um, and just totally incredible. And what I want to leave the listeners with is, you know, where can they find you? Where can they learn more about um, you and your journey? So uh, LinkedIn is also is always a great spot. Um, anyone can connect with me. I have like 10,000 connections. I always like uh, being able to interact with people on there. Um, also on Facebook, uh, just Dom Manfredo on Facebook. It's Dominic M. Manfredo on LinkedIn. Uh, Instagram, I don't really post much, but I think uh, those two spots are, are great, uh, Facebook and LinkedIn. Awesome. Thank you so much. Listeners, you heard it here. You heard it live. Dominic is absolutely the person that you want to mirror. And at the end of the day, it boils all down to working hard, learning more, being a sponge, and really aligning with that idea of curious hustle. Thanks so much, Dominic. Thank you. I'm honored to be here.